Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. I'm Tell Me on the Sunday podcast, Grace Hockey. Grace, by the time you hear this, um, either in Patreon, you will already be able to listen to my interview with Mamie Paris. And if you're listening to the regular feed, uh, it will be available there as well as we're kind of staggering those releases. It was a great interview. Grace, I wish I would have known that story about you going to see her song in School of Rock and it being cut. I would have mentioned that to her, but it was a really fun conversation. You should head over to the Green Room 42 to hear her sing a whole bunch of Andrew Lloyd Webber songs. I believe the dates are October 19th as well as, which is tomorrow, Thursday night, as well as November 6th. So make sure you listen to those episodes and check that out. All right, Grace, we have a new show that is coming to Broadway in the spring that I had no idea was aiming for Broadway. And this is the Olivier Award nominated play, My Son's a Queer, But What Can You Do? It will be making its home at the Lyceum Theater on Broadway, beginning previews on February 27th, and is currently scheduled to run through June 16th. It is written by and stars Rob Madge and is directed by Luke Shepard, who did uh, Anne Juliet on Broadway. And the play follows a family's journey as they explore a son's love for all things Disney and theater and their identity as a queer human. The show ran in the West End, obviously it was a Lemieux nominated, but it began at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I had heard of this show, obviously, because we talked about the Olivier Awards, Grace, but I had zero idea that this show was aiming to come to Broadway, especially this season. Had you heard anything about this coming before it was announced on Tuesday? Oh, yeah, Matt. You're sounding very out of the loop. It's not like you. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's funny. There was a an industry reading, and I saw Rob at a couple of the like spring road parties um, around Tony season, and I thought they're trying to bring that show. I bet they're trying to bring that show to Broadway um, either in the fall or in the spring, so it's not a surprise to me that uh, it's making its way over across the pond this year. I've been very excited. I'm a huge fan of Rob's work. I think that they're hilarious. I follow their TikTok. And I and I honestly, like after that little industry presentation that they had this little, you know, it pressed right up. I thought, okay, it's either happening in the next couple of months or whatever. But then I didn't hear anything else about it. So like you, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't moving forward. Um, and then I started to hear some rumblings about it in the past like couple of weeks. Um, I know that they're doing a couple of kind of like industry little like meet and greet type things coming up. So I- I'm just so excited that this show even exists. If you aren't familiar with Rob Madge's work, you probably know and love them from the anniversary concert of Les Rob that um, baby Nick Jonas stars in. Rob plays young Gavroche. Um, they are very funny and charismatic, and you can watch those videos still. But um, if you're familiar with Rob's work on TikTok, um, they started posting all of these family videos and them falling in love with being just a young little storyteller performer. And I think that anybody that loves theater and ever had like dreams of grandeur will enjoy this show. Yeah, Rob has also been uh, on stage in the West End in Mary Poppins, in Macbeth, and Oliver. So lots of theatrical cred coming uh, with this from the West End, even even if Rob is not a household name here yet. Another show that could potentially make its way to Broadway will have its world premiere at the American Repertory Theater in December. And that is the musical adaptation of Real Women Have Curves. This is a show that is based on the Josefina Lopez film in 2002. It is going to play Cambridge, Massachusetts, American Repertory Theater from December 6th through January 21st. 
It features an original score by Grammy Award-winning recording artist Joy Herta and Benjamin Velez. It features a book by Pulitzer Prize-nominated playwright Lisa Loomer. Sergio Trujillo directs and choreographs. The cast features two big names, as far as I'm concerned. Janet DeCall, who is always one of my favorites, but then Justina Machado, who I had never seen heard about her being on stage i never heard about her singing i first knew her from jane the virgin where she uh, joined the cast later in the run but then also she was the lead in the rebooted version of one day at a time where she played rita moreno's daughter on that show so i'm super excited to see her on stage and to hear what that's all about because she was just absolutely delightful in both of those shows and i janet to has been a guest here on broadway radio i think she's fantastic so if you want to check out the full cast list you can head over to the show notes but i was already kind of interested in this just because i thought it was an interesting show or film to adapt into a musical grace but i think justina machado who is not necessarily a stage known quantity is is super exciting for me I couldn't agree with you more. I've been excited about this one. I'm very curious because I remember us talking about it on uh, Broadway, I think a year ago now, um, where we were talking about, you know, real women have curves and like it's uh, kind of like respect in the film space. So I'm interested to see this adaptation. But Justina, she's got some fans like I'm I I loved her in that. I loved um, also Six Feet Under like I think it's it's really interesting to see her uh, in this kind of capacity, and I'm I'm interested to see where it goes from here. All right, one more show that is probably making plans to come to Broadway probably as we speak, but we have started to get some reviews in for A Wonderful World, a new musical about the life and loves of Louis Armstrong. It is currently playing in Chicago, of course, James Monroe, Iglehart. Stars as Louis Armstrong pulling a little bit of double duty as he is getting ready to return to Spamalot in the role of King Arthur. The show also stars as his four wives, as Louis Armstrong's four different wives over the course of his life, Teray Campbell, Jenny Harney Fleming, Bryn Lark, and Khalifa White. The show features a book by Oren Squire, who, if you folks remember the old Maximu podcast that just did absolutely great work chronicling things that were happening off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway. Oren was a regular contributor there. So to see him writing a book for a Broadway musical or Broadway-bound musical is very exciting. But um, let's dive in. I'm not going to do a ton of these reviews. If you want to read more, I will have a review roundup in the show notes. But starting first with Chris Jones of the Chicago Tribune, he says, quote, Eigelhart is just fabulous in a wonderful world, a new musical directed by Christopher Renshaw that opened Friday night at Chicago's Cadillac Palace Theater with Broadway aspirations. The Tony Award under his belt for Aladdin is testament to Eigelhart's improvisational skills and onstage charisma, but that's far from all he's doing here. He clearly has intuited that Armstrong, who navigated American show business throughout the 20th century, had to play multiple characters, and that his chaotic personal life, four wives, hundreds of affairs, suggested an under current of profound pain. Steve Oxman, writing for the Chicago Sun-Times, said, quote, The world would be more wonderful with a great jukebox musical about the wondrous Louis Armstrong. At moments, this attempt, A Wonderful World, puts forth qualities of what such a show could feel like, especially in the dynamic, vivacious, funny, increasingly complex lead performance of James Monroe Iglehart. But this show needs to take many steps back and rethink its theatrical and musical way into this so genuinely extraordinary and so extraordinarily American life story. He goes on to talk a little bit about how the show is framed with lots of flashbacks, including with James 
actually playing Louis Armstrong as a child. He was a little disconcerted with that, but he said, quote, in this conception, Oren Squire's book tells the story through the perspectives of Armstrong's four wives. Ouch. The choice leads to predictable scenes. Meeting and wooing, marriage, problems, cheating, breakup. The unions match up with key stages or chapters, according to the program, of Armstrong's life. But when it gets to his near 40-year marriage to his last wife, Lucille, played by Tere Campbell, the show slows to a crawl. It's great that she provided him with a stable home life even as he kept touring, becoming perhaps America's greatest brand ambassador. But sorry, that's not a recipe for entertainment. Uh, if you want to read more of those reviews, please check out the show notes. But Grace, I, as we've talked about before, the show has always kind of been bound for Broadway. They are certainly making the way to do that sooner rather than later. And I would not be surprised, depending on what happens with uh, Spamalot, if this ends up in next season's Broadway rotation. Yeah, I know that you've been on this one for a second in regards to its Broadway aspirations. I didn't I didn't read it in the same way. I thought this was like, you know, a really cool, you know, concept piece for for James and he's obviously an incredible performer, but I didn't know if it was if it was having, you know, its eyes set on coming into either this or next or even like the 2024 fall season. Um, but I'm certainly staying on top of it because I think that anytime you attach someone like James to this type of like legacy project, like that's kind of a big deal. Um, so I'm excited to see what more news comes out of the Chicago run. Yeah, I think it's similar to the Sinatra musical. Like, I don't think you bring in stars like Matt Doyle fresh off a of Tony win and Anavia Fanier for that one or James Iglehart still at the top of his game if you're not at least planning to come to Broadway in the fairly near future whether that happens or not I I don't know but I think that is obviously certainly the the plan that goes kind of without saying but with the momentum of the out-of-town tryouts for this I would not be surprised if we see it sooner rather than later. All right, there's a new story from our old friend Mark Hirschberg, who we haven't talked to in a long time here on Broadway Radio, uh, in Forbes about a new rule that will really change how people who resell tickets are going to be able to do that. So there's a new rule that's part of the American Rescue Plan Act that is going to force resale ticket platforms like uh, Ticketmaster and Hub, StubHub and things like that to report any users to the IRS who made more than $600 from selling tickets in a year, beginning in this year. Each reseller would then have to, to file a 1099K form, which will force them to pay taxes on those ticket sales. Uh, a 1099 form is what you use for independent contractor work. This rule is a revision to a previous rule that required these, these ticket platforms to only report users who resold tickets for more than $20,000 and were involved in more than 200 transactions. StubHub has already joined a fight to kind of push back on this rule called the Coalition for 1099K Fairness. It's an interest group. Um, they're trying to get it reverted back to the old rule. But as of now, people who sell a bunch of tickets on you know, essentially scalp tickets online are going to have to pay a lot more in taxes, which I guess maybe could impact the amount of, of tickets that are resold. But I think what it'll probably actually do is maybe drive up those people who do this as a side hustle in a business to just charge more. Uh, so we will see what happens with those grace. But um, we've kind of talked before about how reselling on these platforms, especially platforms that also 
sell the tickets initially, like Ticketmaster does, uh, is a bit problematic and and controversial and something that I think is a is a little bit of a grift that is kind of shady, but certainly will change how people do that moving forward uh, if this rule is not changed. All right, let's get into some show and casting news. We had previously talked about the incredible benefit reading that the Roundabout Theater Company is going to do of Noel Coward's play Fallen Angels. We already knew that it would star Rose Byrne and Kelly O'Hara. We got more members of the cast announced on Tuesday. They include Santino Fontana, who I just saw, and I can get it for you wholesale. He is stupendous as always. Jason Butler Harner, Tracy Chimo Polero, and Morgan Spector. This will take place at the American Airlines Theater on November 6th at 7.30 p.m. All proceeds from the event will go to support Roundabout Theater Company's programs and initiatives, including education at Roundabout. If you would like to purchase tickets or get more information, we will have a link in the show notes. We've been talking a lot about, there's been, I don't know what this is, Grace, and maybe you do, but I feel like we've gotten more press releases and articles about workshops and industry presentations than we have in the past. Like we always have gotten some, but it seems like we're getting more of those lately. Have you noticed that or, or have any idea why that might be? For like developmental opportunities? Yeah, yeah. Just like things like, hey, this show's in development. Like we've always gotten some, but it just feels like we're getting like two or three a day right now, um, which is great. I love knowing about it. Of course. And I think it's a big part of how people are, you know, targeting investors and targeting new producers to say like, and just so you know, like if you have ever been interested in this project, like here it is on your radar. And then of course, like you follow up, you try to find out who the team is and and get involved that way so and especially it it feels like there's buzz around a project that might not otherwise have people already talking about it so i i think it's actually a really smart technique for people to kind of you know continue to move the needle on anticipation for a certain work yeah that makes total sense well this is a new one it is a new musical called the death of desert rose it is having an industry presentation on november 2nd and 3rd it features music and lyrics by Ilya Heifetz and a book by Jessica Kakoska, and it is directed by Ashley Rodbro. It is telling the story of a queer vigilante named Desert Rose Ramsey and her quest to save her former flame, Betty Bridges. Um, it is being led by one of my absolute favorites, Taylor Amon Jones. Also in the company will be Damon Duano, Eric William Morris, Jordan Barber, Sam Bolin, Bernard Dotson, Jenny Mullet, Jimin Moon, and others. I was just talking about one because I saw six last week, but I was talking about Taylor and uh, the devil wears Prada and how uh, they're going to be doing it in London. And I assume that nobody from that Chicago cast will be going with it. We've obviously all heard the rumors of a very beloved British stage and screen star who we will actually be talking about later in this episode, potentially taking on the role of Miranda Priestly. I would love it if Taylor got to stick with it. I, I'm kind of assuming that they're just going to completely redo the cast for London, whether it's with American or British stars, I don't know. But I'm disappointed that she won't get the chance to do it, but excited that Taylor is getting other chances to develop new works. Now, Grace, this one probably will appeal to you more than it will to me, but Apparently, Tom Kidd and Cameron Crowe are not done working on Almost Famous. They will be doing a series of workshop residency sessions at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Company coming up in November. These readings of the workshop will take place on November 11th, November 15th, and November 18th. They will be um, apparently open to the public. So if you want more information on that, you can check out the show notes. You can purchase tickets uh, to go see these. I just kind of assumed that 
once it left Broadway, like that was it. Maybe it would tour, but I don't, maybe they're developing it maybe for a potential uh, national tour, but I'm kind of surprised we don't hear about things like this after a show finishes its run on Broadway. We've certainly dealt, but I'm really interested in what that that is for. Um, are these, you know, two artists that want to do that for sure, but there's also going to be some level of like, is this for licensing purposes? Is this to launch a tour? Is this, you know, like how are how are they, you know, making up for for the deficit of of the run? You know, like I, I'm just curious, like what um, the outcome is, and I think it's exciting no matter what. I obviously love Cameron Crowe's work <laughs> to an absurd degree. So uh, knowing that he is continuing to work on this project that is literally about him um, in many ways, uh, I think it's really awesome. And I'm very curious and I kind of want to go. I mean, the, o- the O'Neill isn't that far from New York City. It's in Connecticut. It shouldn't be too, too bad. All right. So let's talk about um, the thing that I very not so subtly mentioned earlier, but we got information yesterday about Hannah Waddingham's Christmas concert that will stream on Apple TV+. Plus. It was filmed at the London Coliseum. It features a ton of special guests. It will be coming to the streaming platform on November 22nd. If you are not familiar with her beyond Ted Lasso, obviously she sings a lot in that, but she was in Spamalot on... Broadway and in the West End. She is a two-time Olivier-nominated actress. She's also been in A Little Night Music, Into the Woods, The Wizard of Oz, Kiss Me Kate. She is in the film adaptation of Les Miserables. She was in Hocus Pocus 2, Game of Thrones, all these things. She's absolutely fantastic. If you don't know her as a musical theater star, I think a lot of people will be very excited uh, about this special. I know I am because I absolutely adore Hannah Waddingham, but you know, maybe, maybe it's time to get her back on a stage sooner rather than later, and maybe Jamie Prod is is working on that right now. All right, let's dive into some feel-good recommendations. Let's start with um, just a, a collection of some of our favorite performers celebrating the 100th anniversary of Disney on Good Morning America earlier this week. Patty Murin, Kissy Simmons, Ashley Brown, Kara Lindsay, Aisha Jackson, and Casey Levy all performed a medley of Disney songs. You can check that out in the show notes. And then Playbill had the exclusive trailer for the upcoming cinema screening of Titanic the Musical, which is the UK tour that is being presented in theaters across the country from Fathom Events on November 4th and 8th. I already have a ticket to go see it on November 8th, so I'm very excited to check that out. If you want to see what this Titanic looks like, head over to the show notes and take a look at that one. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me pretty much everywhere at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me everywhere at It's Grace Hockey. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.